I don't know if you uh, ever play the what-if game, whether in some idle moments and you've got nothing else to think about, you ask yourself the question, what if the circumstances of my life had turned out differently? Um, where would I be today? <laughs> I used to play football when I was a lot younger, just for local sides. What if I'd been really talented, like David Beckham? Imagine my life today, if that had been true. Or what if, what if I'd married a millionaire's daughter, <laughs> which I didn't, I assure you. So it's no good asking Wendy afterwards for a loan. But I, I, I think my lifestyle would be entirely different from the one I have now. What if I'd been born into the aristocracy and I'd be living in a fine, stately house and have a butler and servants and huge estates. <laughs> what if? What if? Well, it's a fairly harmless exercise of entirely pointless because things are what they are. But perhaps we did ought to, from time to time, think of something uh, uh, along those lines. Because I think the, the Apostle would uh, encourage us to do that. Because here in this uh, lovely, very familiar chapter about the resurrection, he talks about himself uh, in the beginning, uh, uh, and at the beginning of verse 10, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Uh, and, and maybe that's a question you know, that you and I should ask ourselves from time to time, and that perhaps more than just infrequently, quite often, what, what if the grace of God ha had uh, not uh, introduced itself into my life at some point? What if? Where would I be today? What would I be doing if it were not for the grace of God had intervened. You, you might be perhaps a, a, a highly successful businessman controlling vast sums of money and uh, responsible for a, a huge workforce. You might be, but, but uh, you would be heading towards a lost eternity. You might have a lovely family, I'm, I'm sure you do, but if it were not for the grace of God, you might have no assurance this morning that you yourself are a child of God. Um, you, 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 might, you might, on the other hand, have slept last night on a park bench or in a shop doorway, uh, homeless, hopeless, friendless, Pray to some terrible addictions. Any one of those things might have been a possibility. But that's not the way it is, is it? Because the grace of God has intervened in your lives. Whether uh, this morning you understand that and appreciate that, it is certainly, unquestionably, the truth. The grace of God has touched your life. 
Uh, and I think Paul, I think he plays something of the what-if game here when he says to us, by the grace of God, I am what I am, because I think at this point, as he writes this great chapter about the resurrection, he's reviewing his own experience. He's reviewing his own life. Uh, And when he considers the point he's come to now, as he writes these wonderful words, he's saying, what I am now, I am only because of grace. There's no other explanation. I guess in the first place, he would be thinking back to uh, how he first met Jesus Christ. You know the story that was on the Damascus Road. Uh, And there he acknowledges later when he writes, for example, to the church in Philippi, the Lord Jesus took hold of me, took hold of me, apprehended me. Grace took hold of him. He didn't expect that. Far from expecting that. In fact, it would be the last thing on his mind that he would actually meet in person the living, risen Jesus Christ. That's what happened to him. Uh, 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 And suddenly, grace burst into his life. Because it was all, as he acknowledges here, what I am now, I am only because of God's grace. He didn't expect it. I think that uh, may, may be... Uh, a fairly common experience. It, it may be even this morning. Um, you may not actually recognize that the grace of God has broken into your life. But I, I, I would just want you to ask yourself this question now What actually am I doing here? What am I doing here in this place? In this company. Because I want to tell you, according to fairly recent statistics, the number of folk who go to church on a Sunday morning now in our population is probably less than 5%. So that means then that it's quite likely that nobody else in your road amongst your neighbours will be in a place of worship this morning. it's almost equally likely that that nobody at your place of work will be attending a church this morning. (laughs) So so you're part of a very, very tiny minority. And so if you ask yourself the question, uh, what am I doing here? You'd, You'd have a variety of answers. You will say, many of you, what this is... This is what I, I do on a, on a Lord's Day morning because uh, I just love to worship God and meet with God's people. But others of you might have a, a slightly different answer. Some, some others might say, that, well, I'm here because my family expect me to be here. Or whatever answer you might come up with, the truth is you are part of a tiny, tiny minority And if that 5% uh, 
even fewer amongst that number will be in a place where the gospel is faithfully preached. Because that's a figure that just covers the whole of the church-going population, such as it is, 5%, 1 in 20 of our English population in church this morning. And you're here. You're here. Uh, And whatever answer you might have for explaining to me why you're here this morning, the truth is, it is the grace of God that has brought you here. And so you, you need to ask, well, what, why has God done that then? Why has God so ordered the circumstances of my life? However you would come up for the reasons, the explanation for it, whatever purpose does God have for me to be here this morning, on this Lord's Day morning, in this place, singing hymns, opening a book, which has been around for thousands of years and many in our world are considered utterly obsolete. And you are here because the truth is the grace of God has taken hold of you. And you may not perhaps recognize that, you may not even appreciate that. In fact, you might even in your heart resent that somewhat. And you might be constrained once again, as you may have done many times in the past, to just turn your back upon it. But, but, but the, the fact is you can't escape from it. You're here. You're here where the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached. And like it or not, <laughs> that's just the way it is. You are what you are by the grace of God. Paul didn't expect that the last thing he expected on the Damascus. He knew what he was about. He got a clear direction, a clear goal in life. He was going to stop this nonsense about this Jesus of Nazareth and those who claimed to worship him. And he was going to put them in prison if necessary to stop it. And suddenly, bang! And there before him, the risen Lord Jesus and grace took hold of him, took hold of, apprehended him. He didn't expect it, <laughs> uh, and he didn't want it either. Uh, let's be honest about him. That's the last thing he wanted to happen to him because he hated this Jesus of Nazareth and his people. <laughs> and, and so he was going to do everything to bring to an end what he saw was actually blasphemous in the sight of the God he thought he worshipped. So he most certainly didn't want to meet the risen Christ. He didn't want to experience grace like he did. And he most certainly didn't deserve it. And that's the wonder of it, isn't it? That is the wonder of grace. It is God's free and sovereign favour to the utterly undeserving. There's an old hymn, an old hymn book, I haven't heard it sung for years and years and years. But it goes like this, Against the God who ruled on high, I fought with hand uplifted high, despised the mention of his grace, too proud to seek a hiding place. But thus, 
the eternal council ran. Almighty love, arrest that man. And so Paul is able to say, I'm here where I am by the grace of God because this grace took hold of me, took hold of me. He was arrested. (laughs) Uh, And that same grace has brought you here this morning. Whatever your reasons, whatever your feelings about it, (laughs) that's just the way it is. Uh, and, And so you and I have some important questions to ask ourselves, don't we? Why should God bring me here? Why? And you need to find an answer. Grace took hold of him. And then grace that saved him. Because he didn't realize before, until he met Christ on that Damascus road, he was on his way to the fearful wrath of Almighty God. He was on his way to a lost eternity. Let's tell it how it is. He was on his way to hell. Uh, And so he was in the utmost danger. He he probably didn't realize it. Uh, That's one of the tragic things sometimes. People get themselves into fearful situations of peril and and don't realize they're doing it till it's too late. But like a brand from the burning, he was plucked from a pathway that would lead him to judgment. And he was saved. And he discovered that this Lord Jesus Christ who met him on the Damascus Road was a saviour, a rescuer, a deliverer. And he speaks for himself and he speaks for all of us. He says, by grace you were saved through faith. By grace you were saved. That's your testimony this morning. All of grace. All of grace. Nothing you earned. Nothing you deserved. All of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Uh, And that was was always a a source of great wonder to the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's, He's writing a couple of letters to a young pastor called Timothy. And he's writing as a pastor to help a young man uh, who, who's pastoring in a church in Ephesus with all sorts of problems, all sorts of problems. Quite a, quite a challenge for a young pastor. And Paul writes with his experience, his wisdom, his understanding <laughs> to help Timothy. Uh, uh, and yet surprisingly into that uh, record of pastoral wisdom Uh, and help, he drops in, quite unexpectedly, apparently, his own personal testimony. And you can find that in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And and the sum and the substance and the very core and the very heart of his testimony was to be able to declare with, 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 with such conviction and assurance Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I love love that Paul did that. (laughs) 
You know, maybe Timothy might say, well, thanks, Paul. You know, it's lovely to hear uh, your, your testimony of your conversion. I need some help here. And I think Paul is saying to him, Timothy, at the end of the day, whatever your problems are, whatever the situations you face, ultimately the answer rests in this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The gospel which is why it's so critically important that in any company of people that consider themselves to be gathered in worship, the gospel is proclaimed. And, th- and then he goes on, and this is really very striking, because he, you know, he's singing in praise of the gospel that saved him. And then he says, and I was the chief of sinners. Paul, the highly respectable, highly educated, highly religious, the chief of sinners. Would you you be prepared this morning to put yourself in that category? I guess some of us might feel a bit indignant about that. (laughs) Chief, now come on. Look what's going on out there. Look what I'm reading in my newspaper every morning. Look what I'm seeing on the television. Of the, of the awful and appalling things people get up to out there in the real world. And, and me, a respectable person, um, uh, the chief of sinners. <laughs> That's not right. That's not right. I, 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 I freely acknowledge I'm not all that I ought to be. <laughs> And I've got my failings, and I've got my shortcomings, but chief of sin, oh no, that's saying, Father, Mr. Preacher, you've got no right to say that sort of thing to me. But you see, what happens with other people is neither here nor there in that sense. It's not irrelevant, but in this sense, it's neither here nor there. Because that's what we do. You see, we compare ourselves with other people, don't we? And we read these things in the paper. We see these things on the telly. And I'm not like that. And that's where we draw our comparisons. But here's a matter that is nothing to do with other people. It's between you and your God. Just you and God. And when it comes to that, then... There is no other place. There is no other description you can apply to yourself other than I am the chief of sinners. And that's where the comfort lies. That's where the comfort lies. Because to be the chief of sinners is to put yourself in the way of God's grace and mercy. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to have done with all your self-esteem, self-confidence and acknowledge yourself for what you are in the sight of a holy God as a worthless, wretched sinner of whom you are the chief, I am the chief because then you know for sure there is mercy to be found. There is forgiveness, there is cleansing, there is reconciliation. It's a good place to put yourself.
amongst the chief of sinners if you're prepared to do it because the word of God teaches us that mercy is offered first to the chief of sinners. So to be sure of mercy, put yourself in that number. Because what if we received our deserts? What if? There's the what if game again. What if we received what we deserve? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, not respectable people, not good living people, not religious people, sinners of whom I am the chief. Grace that took hold of him, grace that saved him, and then grace that qualified him. He's got it here, hasn't he? By I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He's reviewing his past now. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. By any standard, Paul was a highly gifted man. He had all the advantages, had all the privileges that went along with a great deal of natural ability. Plainly, he was very articulate, very eloquent, uh, very persuasive. He had that ability. Uh, and he, had, he, he was born into a middle-class, respectable family. He had the best of educations. He was, uh, he, he was brought up. In, 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 in the strictest application of God's law as he understood it uh, and yet none of these things none of these he, 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 he reviews his time in, a, in another letter that he writes this, what, he, what he enjoyed what the privileges he enjoyed by reason of his upbringing education and so on and so forth uh, and he said I count them as rubbish rubbish Dung. Worth nothing. <laughs> and what he was able to do, laboring more abundantly than any of the other apostles, and, and who, can, who can doubt that? The churches that he founded, the letters that he wrote, which are so valuable to us in the 21st century, who can doubt what Paul was able to achieve in his lifetime and all this doesn't put it down to any natural gift or natural ability. Whatever I was able to do, it was the grace of God that was with me. I am what I am today. This servant of God, this preacher to the Gentiles, this preacher of the gospel, I am what I am by the grace of God. I just, this, this happens almost every time whenever I, I stand in front of a congregation like yourselves I think to myself what am I doing here what am I doing here and why are you so kind to quietly sit and listen to me which I very much appreciate what am I doing here because you see God has a message for a lost world he has a message for you it's a message of 
love is a message of hope, is a message of forgiveness. It's a message which tells you that he sent his only son into the world because he loved the world. It's a message of eternal life. He wants you to hear it. And he, and, and, and he could have sent the archangel Gabriel. You would have listened to him, wouldn't you, if he stood here? <laughs> he could have done that. He could have written it in letters of fire across this back wall. He could have done that. Instead, what does he do? What does this God do? (laughs) He sends you an earthen vessel, a clay pot. He sends you dear Richard here. He sends you dear James here. He sends you anybody who stands in this pulpit. He sent me this morning. That's why I asked myself, what am I doing here? An earthen vessel containing this immeasurable treasure. And it's all of grace. Because you can't put it down to anything else, can you now? When you think God could have done it in a myriad of ways. And he chose to use mere human beings, sinful human beings at that, to declare this message for you, that there is hope and everlasting life if you will trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's just staggering. And there's no other explanation. It can only be grace, can't it? What a privilege it is that God should use such imperfect human beings as he does. And that's what what staggers me. I I, I I used to hear once, I haven't heard it for a while now, a a sort of little ditty, I I can't recall it, uh, in, in detail, but it, it went something like this: God has no hands or our hands to do to achieve His purpose. I don't, I don't agree with that, because <laughs> that, that that makes it sound as if God can't manage without us, <laughs> and I, I don't believe that for one minute. He can do whatever He chooses, but the wonder is He has choose, chosen to use earthen vessels. Staggering, isn't it? grace so my friends this morning will you play the what if game with me again (laughs) it's not a wasted exercise what if the grace of God had not touched your life what if it would be a wasted life wouldn't it 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 would be a selfish life It would be a godless life if the grace of God had not broken into your life and your circumstances and brought you into this place this morning. So don't turn your back upon it again. If it it means nothing to you, does it mean nothing to you? Don't turn your back upon it again. Just ask yourself, why am I here? And then just, just reach out with, with, with an eager heart and take hold of this free and sovereign grace which is all love and mercy and kindness and deliverance and salvation in Jesus Christ. Just reach out and take it. Don't turn your back again on this wonderful grace of God, this free grace of God. Don't do that again.
And for those of you who, who acknowledge what I've been saying to you then, and would say quite readily with a single voice, yeah, we are, I am what I am by the grace of God this morning. Well, just, just let yourself be lost in the wonder of it again. Just, just let it overwhelm you. In, in the verse of the hymn we just sang, pause my soul and ask the question, why my soul such love to thee? Grace has put me in the family of the Father's family. Hallelujah. 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 Amen.